Support comes from Bellingham's Whatcom Museum with its historic Hall of Birds on May 31st and June 1st hosting bird taxidermist and museum preservationist Alice Markham for a weekend of events and workshops. Details and tickets at whatcommuseum.org. You're listening to Soundside. I'm Mike Davis in for Libby Dankman. Opera has always been filled with compelling characters that push societal norms. There's Carmen, the seductive smuggler who manipulates the men she enthralls. There's the marriage of Figaro, which upset Viennese aristocrats because it shows Figaro, a servant, besting his master. Even so, most people today probably don't think of opera as a particularly progressive art form. That may be why an opera about Malcolm X has such a striking impact. X, The Life and Times of Malcolm X, will have its West Coast premiere at the Seattle Opera this month. Originally written in 1985, the production was revitalized by a new production by the Metropolitan Opera in New York in 2023. Anthony Davis is the opera's composer. He's also the Pulitzer Prize winning composer of the Central Park Five. He'll be joining me to talk about how he brought the life of Malcolm X onto the opera stage. And also Kenneth Kellogg, a bass opera singer who will be performing as Malcolm X in Seattle Opera's staging of X, The Life and Times of Malcolm X. I caught up with Anthony and Kenneth to talk about the inspiration behind the show and how to make opera more accessible to modern audiences. Anthony told me that his grandfather paved the way for his love of the art form. My grandfather was a huge opera fan. My, who li- but he, li- he lived in Ham- Hampton, Virginia, and he was treasurer of Hampton Institute, and he, and he used to bring opera singers to Hampton to sing. So Betty Allen told me that she used to go there every every year that he'd bring, he'd bring in opera singers. And so when I visit him, he had, you know, he had Leontine Price, you know, stuff, and and uh, he, he was a big opera fan. It's very funny, because I was into, I was... Uh, I was playing classical music, but I was a pianist. But he didn't care about that. He only liked gospel and opera <laughs> and organ trios. That was the three. I got interested in the idea of opera first before I even got to hear a lot of opera. And then, uh, I, then I started listening to opera when I was in, in college. And uh, uh, I heard Wozzeck, and that, that, that blew my mind. But then, then I, you know, I kind of had to go backwards, you know. Then I heard, you know, heard Mozart later, and uh, I, I had a class at Yale that was turned out to be a Wagner about Wagner and Strauss. So that was that was that was, I, I was fascinated by that. And then also, you know, thinking about Duke Ellington and Strayhorn and African American composers who were. I mean, when Ellington wrote Black, Brown, and Beige, he originally attended as an opera. So, so that was, I was very interested in, you know, what Ellington was trying to do. Thank you. And Kenneth, what about you? It's, it's interesting that you mentioned Ellington because I didn't know, to answer your question, I did not grow up listening to opera. I had no idea what opera was. 
um, you know, I listened to, I was in the era of, you know, Boys to Men and Shy and Bone Thugs of Harmony. So I had, you know, that sense of, of music and I loved that music. Um, I sang in choirs and stuff. So I was used to the idea of performing, you know, formal, formal music. And then I went to um, Duke Ellington School of Performing Arts in Washington, D.C. And that's where I was introduced to classical music officially for the first time. And, you know, I realized that my voice was, it was more suited towards classical music than the other stuff I was trying to sing. You know, by the time I, you know, got into my senior year, my voice had dropped. I was a bass. And, you know, in gospel choirs, there's there's no basses in gospel choirs. (laughs) Um, so, you know, I, I kind of stayed on that path of, you know, listening to my teachers and, you know, they steered me down that classical music path. So, so classical music found you. Yes. It was introduced to me by some people, you know, my, my, my mentors and my professors, they weren't professors then, but my teachers, my elementary school music teacher was the first one to introduce me to the idea of, you know, sitting at the piano and singing a song. Um, and then once I got to Duke Ellington, the whole basis of their training is classical music. What about opera in particular grabbed you? And I'm just curious, like, I, I really love a, a character. So I think of like Das Rheingo. Like, I, I love just the epic nature. But I'm curious uh, for you, Kenneth, what was it in opera that, that really made you know this is where I need to be? Uh, first, it was for me, it was this nature of performing, that exchange between performer and, you know, audience. I mean, it's a magnetic thing that you can't really explain. If you've never been in front of an audience and felt that energy, that, that give and take back and forth, it gets hard to explain. But for me, that's what first caught me. And opera specifically, you know, I found the humanity in opera very early. You know, there's not a human condition that you can't find in opera. So diving into those stories and realize that they were talking about, you know, all the emotions that I was going through, you know, as a, as a, even as a young person and, you know, seeing the parallels between, you know, things my parents are going through and, and seeing them in opera, um, it kind of, kind of hooked me in. Anthony, the Seattle Opera's production of X will be the opera's West Coast premiere, but X was actually staged first in 1985. Can you take me back to the early 80s and talk about what inspired you to explore the life of Malcolm X through opera? Well, I think part of the inspiration of my brother, because my brother was uh, Christopher, well, was uh, playing the role of Malcolm X in a play and um, El Haj Malik. And um, so I went to the performance and he he came backstage after afterward and he, and he, and he came up to me and said, well, you know, you should think about do, doing a musical about Malcolm X because you know his. There's a parallel between Malcolm Less Malcolm X's uh, story and the de- development of, the, of jazz, development of the music from the like like say from the 40s to the avant garde of the 1960s. So, and you could you know and the the idea of telling the story through music, you know the the the, the passage of time. So that was kind of the start of the idea. But I thought. But then I thought about it and I said, you know, he's a tragic hero. To me, he's a tragic hero. And I think it's I think it's an opera. It's an opera. It should be a tell us an opera because because of the nature, epic nature of the story. And also, you know, uh uh also I you know, there are other elements I did to tie this the the music and the drama together. So that was that was that became I was very excited about it, you know, and and uh, then we enlisted Talani to write the 
write the work on libretto and, to, and we were off and running. What was the reception like in the 80s? And what do people say now after they see the show? No, it was it was it was great reception in the eighties. You know, I think it was the most popular n- new opera ever done at New York City Opera. The funny part is that uh, we have to. It was a much uh, the time was interesting because when we did X was just after the uh, Jesse Jackson campaign, and when Jesse Jackson and and, and this idea of Farrakhan would he provided security for Jesse Jackson during during the, the his 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 campaign in nineteen eighty four. And uh, when he came came to New York, so he alienated a lot. There was a kind of a tension between uh, the Jewish community, particularly, and the black community. And so when when X premiered at at New York City Opera the week before it opened, the 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 headline was Malcolm X anti Semite question mark. So so that put it right out there, you know, like. I mean, it was very, it was very popular. We, the community came. I mean, we, I remember it was sold out for every performance, and it was, and the opening night was fifty percent African American house, and and at, and uh, in, in, at City Opera, which is kind of unprecedented, and uh, but, but that also meant that also funders to City Opera were withdrawing their money because of the nature. They said, well, we can't support, you know, you do doing an opera for, you know, about this subject. So so that the reaction to the subject matter, I think, was there was very there was a lot of sensitivity about that. And I thought and that's one of the real reasons that it what happened wasn't revived in you know in City Opera or other places for, for so many years. And now it's back. What what have you been hearing now? Now that it's here and it's it's I mean, times have changed, kind of you know yeah kind of <laughs> kind of yeah <laughs> yeah you know it's always a always in a predicament that you know they all say that uh, the word of changing same true i mean it's it's it, everything goes everything goes in cycles in cycles anthony i want to talk to you about composing the music for x there are contemporary elements throughout the score, like the jazz you can hear in the scene where a young Malcolm and a young man named Street are talking. And in the scene, Street is explaining how life works in the big city. Let's take a listen. You need a suit, suit, a coat, and a pad. A hustler can go around looking poor, looking sad. Work for no one but yourself. Keep your feelings right on. Now, Anthony, when you were composing the music for X, how did you find the balance between translating moments of Malcolm X's life into music for the opera? I mean, while also, you know, you're keeping some jazz in the music that actually shaped Malcolm X in the time period that he lived in. How did you balance all of that? Oh, that was that was fun. I mean, when I read the lyrics, when Solani wrote the libretto and I, for that particular section, I read I said, I said, Tawana, you just wrote a blues. <laughs> it's a blues. It's all blues, man. So it's funny for me because uh, the seduction, I looked at it as a seduction when when uh, when 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 Street is is introducing Malcolm to the life, it's it's through the music. The music is music is 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 bringing him into the life, you know, and and I also wanted to seduce the audience too. 
because the the idea of saying okay what's what's the attraction of being outside the rules outside of you know the, the norms you know and 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 free the kind of freedom a false sense of freedom one has in that and so i wanted to capture that and and i thought the music has that 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 power in it and so and so it was it was really fun for me and then channeling music you know with that part zutsu to conk and pad i was thinking because uh, there's a rap before that that go that 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 street does and i was thinking a lot of fats waller you know of the uh, of the you know early 40s and stuff you know your feet's too big and and that that music and i, I love fats and it's dried piano and stuff so uh so it was a chance for me to to kind of channel my fats waller thing <laughs> i love how you did that anthony but i saw kenneth react when we played that clip as well uh what, what's your take on this because for me i mean so much opera that i've seen isn't even in english right so like not only am i hearing english words that i understand i'm hearing i'm hearing notes of jazz and music that i remember my dad playing when i was a kid i, I just i've never felt this at home listening to opera but i'm very curious kenneth what is it like for you um you know hearing this score and that you know that section in particular the, the character of street i think he's the most free character in the entire opera and you know we think of jazz you think of improvisation you think of a certain freedom that goes along with with jazz and for me i see street as as that in this opera so much of the score it was interesting hearing you talk about your influences of, of wagner and hearing Wozzeck and schoenberg is like I hear a lot of that in this score as well, um, which there's a certain level of complexity to that. But for me, street, like that's the one that just flows naturally. And that's the one that's closest to the streets. It's the one that's closest to the to the heart. And jazz, you know, fits, you know, that style, fits his character better than any other style I can think of. Yeah, I was thinking a lot of Cab Calloway. Yeah. I love Cab Calloway. I had a good fortune of meeting Cab Calloway. And, uh, you know, that's what Sport and Life actually came out of Gershwin actually appropriating what Cab was doing already. <laughs> yeah, I can hear it. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah, Cab was in 31, he was already already had, you know, uh, you know, Heidi, Heidi, Ho, you know, all that stuff was already out there. So that, so that when you, when you hear that, you know, that, but it's a kind of tradition in black performance of the, of the trickster, the <laughs> high tenor voice also being that 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 part of that you know so that's that's something i wanted to capture in the opera too kenneth for you when you're approaching this role and you know audience are coming in and we've all heard malcolm x's voice we heard him speak we we know his delivery when you're trying to embody this role are you going for a direct comparison or are you just coming in with your with your own spin yeah, I mean, you can't you can't come in with a direct comparison. Um, luckily, I'm I'm six six and I'm light skinned and I'm tall. <laughs> you know, I got a goatee. Um, and, I mean, that's about you as, got the glasses too and glasses. You know, that's about as far as I can go. But as an artist, you trust the score, and it's it's all there in the score. Like, I don't have to do anything outside of you know trusting what Anthony has has written. Anthony, I got a question for you. Um, at the time that X was first staged, it was unlike any other opera that had come before it and the artistic direction was led completely by black creatives. Opera companies across the country are trying to attract younger and more diverse audiences. And in order to do that, 
They'll need to stage productions that go beyond like the traditional things that we see in opera. I mean, literally like what we're doing right here with X, you've paved the way for a lot of other groundbreaking productions, but are there still places where you think opera still needs to grow? Oh, it always does. I mean, I mean, there's so many stories to tell. And uh, I'm really excited to be part of this revi- this re- reconsideration that the, the opera companies and those institutions are are seeing, are starting to see what you know, what, what African American, particularly African American composers, can bring. You know, with Terrence and, and with me and, and a number of other artists, you know, uh, Damian Jeter. I could talk about a lot of different people, but I think it's re- really important because also we bring a different audience too. We bring we open the doors to to a, a, a whole community that that can embrace the race opera and and I think that that's very powerful I mean it's almost ne- a necessity because because the idea that that the, that audience has to grow it has to change because you know uh the you know they're getting older and older so that so the way they have to have to grow and reach out to different people next year is going to be the centenary of Malcolm X's birth and the 60th anniversary of his death. What do you hope audiences here in Seattle will take away from this depiction of Malcolm X's life and philosophy? And even even on top of that, Anthony, was there a, a specific speech or anything that was happening with Malcolm that you made sure to add into this play when you wrote it? Oh, there are lots of things by any means necessary. <laughs> that always seems like the thing that always rings for me. You know, it's like also for for me as a composer, by any means necessary to tell this story. You know, <laughs> so so it's it's a motto that we can carry with us. And I think think also uh, his vision that was not just limited to the American struggle that that it's a wider that's a worldwide ph- phenomenon you know the end of colonialism et cetera and tie it and that's why he was so dangerous and 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 feared by by uh, a lot of the Ameri- you know the go- American government and institutions and I think uh but uh I think but his story now when we look at the emergence of black lives matter and other political movements since you can't imagine any of those movements without Malcolm X you know, because of Malcolm X laid the lay they established the ground for those movements. Thanks, Anthony. And Kenneth, I want to swing it to you as well. What do you hope that audiences will take away after seeing your performance here in Seattle? For me, Malcolm spoke a very uncomfortable truth. <clears throat> and, you know, in our political climate today even, we're getting further and further away from the truth. And coming to see this opera. I hope we can steer ourselves back to just that uncomfortable nature of the thing that will make us better. And Malcolm spoke to that, you know, better than anyone I can think of. And this opera, I think, has that truth at its heart. That was Kenneth Kellogg, a bass opera singer who will be performing as Malcolm X in Seattle Opera's production of X, The Life and Times of Malcolm X, and Anthony Davis, the show's composer. Tickets and information about the show are available on seattleopera.org. 
Thanks for listening to SoundSide. And hey, this show is only possible because listeners support us. If you are able to give right now, check out the show notes for a link to donate. And don't forget, you can listen live on KUOW 94.9 FM Seattle at noon and 8 p.m., Monday through Thursday, or anytime online at KUOW.org. Seattle in the 90s. A tidal wave of iconic music roars out of this sleepy city and launches a pop culture revolution. Here's a story you haven't heard. Let the Kids Dance is a new podcast about the rise and fall of Seattle's teen dance ordinance, the law that made it illegal for young people to go to concerts. A story of moral panic, grassroots activism, and an unstoppable music community that fought for its freedom. Listen to Let the Kids Dance from KUOW and the NPR Network.